The U.S. federal government has been buying, quote-unquote, fresh, late-term aborted babies for scientific experimentation. One day after this news dropped, the Biden administration doubled down and reversed President Trump's restrictions on fetal tissue research. Shocker. With the full-fledged support of the party of death, scientists pushed to grow humans outside the womb past the current unspoken 14-day limit in order to manipulate the development process and test gene editing. But don't worry, if this fails, these doctors of death are creating human-monkey hybrids in order to harvest their organs. What does all this mean? And is there any hope to stop the culture of death on its progressive descent into hell? I'll unpack it all. I'm Seth Gruber and this is Unaborted. Welcome to the show today. Thank you guys for tuning in. This is a, uh, a pretty dystopian, um, morally disgusting episode where we sort of examine the lengths to which the culture of death is happy to go. And I think it's going to disturb you a lot. Before we jump into all of that, if you have been enjoying the show, if you've been watching it for any length of time and have benefited from what we discuss on the show, um, give us a rating and review. It really helps us reach more people, especially as the digital platforms are um, sort of going after conservatives and pro-life individuals. We want to um, expand on these platforms as long as we're really, quote, I guess, allowed to, to reach people, to change minds, change hearts, save lives, and get people off the bench to defend our pre-born neighbors. So give us five stars. Let us know what you think. Subscribe on YouTube. Um, that really helps us. So according to Judicial Watch, dropping a bombshell recently, the FDA, so the federal government, has been purchasing what they call, quote unquote, fresh aborted baby body parts. According to The Federalist on April 15th by Eddie Heipel, the federal government is caught buying fresh flesh of aborted babies who could have survived as preemies because many of these children were born uh, or, or, sorry, were killed past 20 weeks gestation, 21, 22, 23, 24 weeks, at which point they could have survived if given prenatal or given um, preemie support. According to the article, last week, legal accountability group Judicial Watch dropped a bombshell, a nearly 600-page report proving the U.S. government has been buying and trafficking fresh aborted baby body parts. These body parts purchased by the U.S. Food and Drug Administration to humanize mice and test biologic drugs in scientific experiments. Came from babies up to 24 weeks old gestation, just weeks from being born. Now, as someone, as you know, who speaks on the issue of abortion all around the country multiple times a month, I meet families all the time who say that their baby was born at 23, 24 weeks. And these are children who were sacrificed um, to the religion of secular progressivism in order to extend our lives. <clears throat> now, you might recall in 2015, the Center for Medical Progress and their investigative journalists, David Delayden and Sandra Merritt, met with high-ranking Planned Parenthood corporate executives posing as an interested third party in the purchase of fetal body parts from abortions. And if you've been following Delayden's 
story in the Center for Medical Progress, you'll know that that, that lawsuit is still going on. Planned Parenthood's lawsuit against the Center for Medical Progress. And at the time, Kamala Harris was the attorney general in LA, I'm sorry, in California, and was meeting with Planned Parenthood executives to coordinate their, their strategic lawsuit strategy. I mean, completely inappropriate, total conflict of interest. And Planned Parenthood was lining Kamala Harris's pockets at the time with campaign donations for her run for senator. So you're, you're aware of this type of debauchery, this human trafficking of body parts. And this is against federal law. According to 42 U.S. Code 289G2, it shall be unlawful for any person to knowingly acquire, receive, or otherwise transfer any human fetal tissues for valuable consideration. Valuable consideration means financially benefiting from it. And this is important because allowing for profit to be made off of the exchange or sale of fetal tissue creates an incentive to make more of it. <laughs> and you can only get body parts from killing the human beings in the womb. So you're, um, you're licitly complicit, right? You're, uh, you're liable for participation in evil uh, behavior. And this has been going on for a while. Well, this time the US government was the one trafficking baby parts. According to the article at The Federalist, recent emails uncovered by Judicial Watch between FDA employees and the California-based Advanced Bioscience Resources, or ABR, prove the agency spent tens of thousands of dollars buying aborted babies for unethical scientific experiments between 2012 and 2018. Now, ABR, okay, Advanced Bioscience Resources, if, in case I need to remind you, for those of you who aren't as tuned into these sort of quote-unquote scientific realities, was the major um, purchaser of baby body parts from Planned Parenthood. So when David Delighton and Sandra Merritt were posing as interested third-party purchasers of baby body parts, um, they ended up exposing that Planned Parenthood was selling the body parts of children they killed to ABR in California. ABR then sells those baby parts to labs. They're the middleman. So same organization, okay, same company, Advanced Bioscience Resources. In 2018, the Trump administration terminated the contract, halting government fetal tissue research due to concerns the contracts were unlawful. Yeah, duh. Judicial Watch's new Freedom of Information Act request adds 575 pages of records to its existing 2019 lawsuit against the agency. So they are suing the FDA as they should. Um, and so ABR has just continued to be exposed because, of course, they were under a con congressional investigation before for their longtime involvement in purchasing baby parts from Planned Parenthood and other major abortion clinics all around the country. The Federalist article continues and says, one of the oldest fetal tissue procurement firms, the company makes millions every year by harvesting organs like lungs, livers, eyeballs, and brains from aborted babies and reselling them at a profit. Emails between FDA officials and the ABR employees reveal disturbing conversations as they collaborate to buy and sell aborted fetuses. Records indicate ABR was paid 12 grand $12,000 up front per baby, some survivable out of the womb, between the gestational ages of 16 and 24 weeks. Most purchases are for intact thymuses and livers shipped, ready shipped, quote, fresh and on wet ice. So if you go read this Federalist article, they have links to all of the emails between ABR and FDA officials haggling over the price of dead baby body parts once again and requesting that the dead 
Cadavers of babies are fresh and on wet ice for preservation purposes so that they can get the most bang out of their buck for scientific experimentation. Okay, let's stop here for a second. If this doesn't disturb you in any way, shape, or form, your moral compass is broken. You need help. You need prayers. You need salvation. You need rescuing from hell. If this disturbs you not one little bit, Let's apply this to a different scenario. Okay, this is what we as pro-lifers have to do, unfortunately, because in a culture of death that dehumanizes the unborn and normalizes their murder and calls it euphemisms like reproductive justice, we have to apply these moral premises in this debate to other scenarios, like the mistreating of born individuals who society recognizes their rights. And we have to do this in order to reveal the bigotry that is at work in the abortion debate. This tacit assumption that the unborn is somehow not one of us or that their dismemberment is not all that bad. What if instead of aborted unborn babies, the federal government was purchasing the bodies of black Americans killed through gang violence or, or, white, or killed by white police officers immediately after their death so the cadavers were as fresh as possible? and then mutilating them in order to create, I don't know, black humanized mice using the uh, tissue of recently murdered black Americans and, and inserting it subcutaneously under mice in order to create black humanized mice. Would that disturb you? What, do you think there's anything wrong with that? How about this? Do you think BLM Incorporated might have anything to say about that? What about the Democratic Party? right, the, the political ally, quote unquote, of Black Lives Matter? Or would they just applaud that this is science once again leading us into the progressive future? Yeah, I don't think so. I, I think people would be up in arms. I, I, think, I think you would see as much, if not more, fury over that type of desecration of black cadavers murdered by white police officers than you would by the killing of George Floyd, of course, with the court hearings going on right now. I think people would lose their ever-loving minds. So what does that tell you? What does that tell us? The, the unequal outrage treatment between the, the horrific, heinous mistreatment of dead unborn babies and the horrific, unjustified, heinous treatment of black dead Americans in my thought experiment? Why the unequal outrage that we all know would be unequal? I guess this tells us that there is something about being human that demands respect, right? So much so that desecrating the body of someone already dead strikes us as, dare I say, disrespectful or evil? But why? Why would it be wrong, evil, perverted, to desecrate the body of someone already dead or just freshly dead. Christians have a reason why. <laughs> we say human beings are created in the image of God and are ensouled individuals. The theological term for this is hylomorphism. We are both body and soul. Scripture says that to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. And we are promised that those in Christ will rise again bodily, not just as a soul, but bodily. Our bodies will rise like Christ's did. But that doesn't give us permission to desecrate the bodies of those who have passed on the moment they, quote unquote, leave their body. But converts to the religion of secular progressivism cannot provide a reason as to why desecrating dead bodies is inherently wrong. 
especially if doing so can improve the lives of those still alive, right? This is the Darwinian pipe dream. This is the Darwinian re religion, the survival of the fittest. And if you're already dead and you can be used to help benefit those already alive, then according to the religion of secular progressivism, that would be a good thing. And remember that the religious assumption of secular progressivism is a theological precept called Gnostic dualism or body self-dualism. Body self-dualism says this, the real you is not your body. So the flesh on your bones is not you. And when I shake your hand, I actually haven't shaken your hand. You're, you are the soul. You are your thoughts, your aims, your consciousness, and your desires. Your body's just a shell, and you'll leave it one day. It's not the real you. The body is evil. It's entrapping the real you, and the real you needs to be freed from its bodily um, sort of uh, skeleton, right? So if the real us is not our bodies, then what could be wrong with mistreating our bodies, especially if they're already dead? In fact, we should desecrate recently dead individuals to improve our own lives because that was never the real them in the first place. So the religious assumptions of progressivism, of secular humanism, actually leave no room for opposing desecrating the recently dead bodies of black Americans in my thought experiment. But of course, the inclination towards that evil, the response is, ew, that's wrong which should tell us eternity is written on the heart of man. We live in God's world, and our minds want to abide by his rules even when we try not to. So if our status as human beings is the animating factor behind our revulsion to desecrating the bodies of dead or murdered individuals, then why should the unborn not be granted the same dignity after death, right? If the reason why we're ew and don't like the reality or the thought experiment of desecrating recently murdered or dead individuals is because, well, they're human beings. They're a different form of life. They're not like a tree or an animal. If that's the reason and the unborn is fully human, then why should the unborn not be granted the same dignity and respect after death? In fact, Live, Live Action News recently covered the story, beautiful story, of these monks of New Malari Abbey in Iowa, and they handcraft caskets for adults, but also they handcraft caskets for children, infants, and unborn babies lost to miscarriage or stillbirth, and they provide them completely free, all of the labor and the shipping for free as a way to bless families who are suffering the loss of their children. I think that speaks to the self-evident reality and truth that we all know that these are human beings and children. So this Federalist article continues and says, more emails confirm that the FDA bought organs of babies who were aborted well after 20 weeks gestation, after the time a baby usually can survive outside the womb. By the way, earliest baby to have been born and survived outside the womb and to thrive and is now li living a healthy life, born at 21 weeks and zero days. Article continues and says, when an ABR employee reassured the FDA they were working with doctors who performed late-term abortions, he admitted some tissue was unusable from a procedure that injects a poison called digoxin into the baby, destroying its cells and tissues. In other words, the FDA 
and ABR are complaining. The FDA is complaining. Hey, some of the dead baby body parts you got us, the tissue wasn't usable for our grisly scientific experiments because you ruined the tissue when you injected it with the poison to kill it in the womb before you delivered a dead baby. That, that's what's going on here. Article says, once the chemical has done its work, an intact dead baby is delivered. This method makes fetal tissue specimens unusable in experiments. With digoxin off the table, the likelihood that partial birth abortions were used is sickeningly high. Okay, I've talked to you about partial birth abortions before. You, you forcibly dilate the woman's cervix in the second or third trimester. Then you take forceps and you pull the baby out feet first, but you don't take all of the baby out, right? Because if all the baby's out, then you can't call it a fetus or tissue anymore. And then if you kill it, you would be charged with infanticide. So you deliver the baby partway, but you leave the head and the shoulders in the vaginal canal, and then you stick scissors into the back of the neck. You open the scissors, and you stick a vacuum suction catheter tube into the head, and you suck the brains out so the head can come out of the mother, and you can still say you killed the baby in the womb, therefore it was an abortion, therefore it was reproductive health care, not infanticide. It's the closest thing to a French guillotine for unborn babies. And the reason why they might perform this type of procedure is to get the child intact as much as possible. I know it's disgusting. And not spoil their quote-unquote usable tissue that they can make nearly 12 grand a baby off of selling to the FDA. So illegal partial birth abortions become an alternative to procure an intact dead baby with unspoiled tissue. The other alternative to procure usable tissue would be either labor induction abortions. Let me say that again, labor induction abortions, where the cervix is softened with misoprostol and labor is induced, or DNE, dilation and evacuation, where the baby is dismembered alive in the uterus and removed in parts, and then the abortionist rearranges the dead baby body parts on the table to make sure they didn't leave any floating dead baby parts in mother's uterus, making her susceptible to sepsis and death. Okay, so one of these types of procedures would be the alternative option in order to get a more intact child and, uh, and the, the skin, the body parts, the tissue of the baby unspoiled because using digoxin yeah, spoils the tissue, okay? So we're talking about grisly, grisly stuff here that the FDA is wrapped up in. According to the Society of Family Planning, up to 50% of labor induction abortions without digoxin can result in born alive infants, meaning that up to 50% of the time that you do a labor induction abortion because you don't want to spoil the tissue so you can use the dead baby for experimentation results in born alive infants. So now you have an abortion survivor. You have a baby alive outside of the uterus who all but one or two members of the Democratic Senate in our country and in our Congress refuse to protect, refuse to pass the Born Alive Abortion Survivors Protection Act as Nancy Pelosi has vetoed it, I don't know, dozens and dozens of times now, and I'm not exaggerating. So if born alive, these infants will be killed, likely by snipping their spinal cords as was the case with the infamous Kermit Gosnell, now serving a lifetime prison sent sentence, as he did on a routine basis before he was accidentally exposed in his abortion practice, okay? So this is what is going on with the FDA right now. They are purchasing dead baby body parts on the black market from, a, uh, from ABR in California, who's already been under congressional investigation because of doing the same thing with Planned Parenthood. 
Um, and so we're going to get to the response of the Biden administration uh, in regards to all of this. And uh, it's going to make you sick. And we're going to continue going down the results of the progressive culture of death. But first, if you like this show and want to hear more great content and commentary from the front lines of the abortion wars and the pro-life movement, then consider becoming a patron of the show. Head on over to patreon.com forward slash unaborted and check out our really fun tiers. We'll actually be adding some more soon, but you know, we got Energetic Embryo and Zealous Zygote, Sassy Since Conception. You can join our private ongoing video chat small group, our Facebook group, a one-on-one -on -one hour long Google. Hang out with me to uh, fill your uh, quiver with arrows to defend the unborn. And we'll be adding some more soon as well. They're just Thank you, Perks, for supporting the show, helping us reach more people at this propitious moment in American political history. We'll be right back with a whole lot more. Welcome back to the show. So you're not going to believe this. Literally one day, one day after Judicial Watch dropped this bombshell, that the FDA has been purchasing dead baby body parts from ABR, the Biden administration reverses Trump's restrictions on fetal tissue research. We're talking a day apart. So how committed is the Democratic Party to the culture of death? Well, right after their administration is exposed in purchasing these dead baby body parts, for scientific experiments, the Biden administration moves to reverse Trump's restrictions on federal funded medical research using fetal tissue obtained by abortions. According to Politico on April 16th by Alice Olstein, the Biden administration reverses Trump restrictions on fetal tissue research. And here's their teaser line, their little headline teaser underneath the the Chiron or underneath the title, listen to this. This will tell you where Politico is politically. Fetal tissue research has been used in the development of numerous vaccines and treatments, including for Parkinson's, HIV, and COVID-19. So the flashpoint little uh, news they want you to see, in case you don't read the whole article and you just see the headline is, hey, this is a great thing. Dead baby body parts can be used to improve the lives of fit Americans who weren't aborted. And of course, if you're not tuned into these political realities, uh, news flash Politico is incredibly left-leaning. According to the article, medical groups urged Biden to reverse the ban shortly after he took office, saying that it left highly worthy, scientifically meritorious research unfunded and created a chilling effect on the broader scientific community. <laughs> okay, the only chilling effect happening is the effect that experimenting on murdered children to benefit yourself is having on your soul. That's the only chilling effect happening, and it's... And it's deteriorating your soul into hell and you should repent and you should begin advocating on behalf of the innocent murdered preborn children whose body parts benefit your research. HHS Secretary Xavier Becerra, who was recently confirmed and we went through his history on a recent episode in terms of his bigotry towards Catholic nuns, unborn children and the pro-life movement, said at a House hearing on Thursday when he was previewing and defending the reversal of the Trump policies, we believe that we have to do the research it takes to make sure that we are incorporating innovation and getting all of those types of treatments and therapies out there to the American people, he said. We have 
to do the research. Well, the research is a euphemism for trafficking in baby body parts whose mistreatment and desecration you deem is worthy and necessary to improve your own lives and to eke out a few more years in this fallen world. We have to do the research. Let's talk for a little bit about why we don't have to do the research, Xavier Becerra, you prenatal bigot, and why we shouldn't do the research, why we don't have to and why we shouldn't to. Let me tell you just shortly, let's go through why fetal tissue research is wrong. Because maybe you're thinking this, maybe you're not aware of these realities, and maybe you're thinking, well, I'm pro-life, I, I don't want these babies being aborted, but since they already are, right, and these women are already killing their children through abortion, I mean, we might as well use the parts to help us in the meantime. That's fine. It's a necessary evil because it's helping us. But don't worry, I'm still working towards ending abortion. Maybe you think that way or maybe people you know think that way. Why is fetal tissue research wrong? Well, I can think of at least four reasons, and I want to go through these briefly before we continue moving down the progressive train of the culture of death. Firstly, you have to kill the baby to get its tissue. <laughs> It's baby parts, it's limbs, it's body. You have to kill the baby to get its tissue to research on to improve your own life. If the unborn is a human person, which I defend every week on this show that it is, and I can go through all the arguments against why it isn't, then killing her to benefit others is a clear-cut evil. There's no other way around it. It treats a distinct human being with inestimable value and worth as nothing more than a commodity as a commodification to traffic in to improve your own life. That's the first reason why fetal tissue research is wrong. Secondly, it's wrong because evil means are used to secure a quote unquote good end. Evil means are used to secure a good end. Accepting baby body parts <laughs> obtained through elective abortion makes one an accomplice to a crime after the fact. Unlike you know, adult organ donations, which are chosen by the adult or approved of beforehand in case they die in a car accident. Unlike adult organ donations, the death of the baby is intentionally caused, right? It's not like, oh, if I die in a car accident or I fall off a cliff hiking, then sure, use my organs to benefit others. It was an accident, I didn't wanna die, now that I am, I give you permission to use my organs. Not the same, the baby is intentionally killed and their death is intentionally caused. Here's a thought experiment for you, this idea that evil means are used to secure a good end. Consider a case where a hospital becomes the beneficiary of a gang of killers who supply it with fresh cadavers. Would you, would you question the moral appropriateness of the hospital continuing cooperation with the suppliers, the gang? <laughs> who provide the hospital with cadavers through gang violence of individuals that they murder? Do you think that's appropriate? Because, I mean, they're dead anyways, right? Might as well use their cadavers to help improve the lives of alive people, right? Uh, I don't think so. I think people have a problem with that. By the way, German doctors who were convicted at the Nuremberg trials, remember, passionately argued that they were only, they were only using the brains of the Jews for the greater good. They claimed that it was the SS troops who killed the Jews, not us, not them. And these quote unquote physicians believed they had a moral imperative to make good use of the bodies the SS troops supplied them with. 
But did the court at Nuremberg accept that rationale and justification? No, they rejected it. They rejected that claim. And today, there is hardly a peer-reviewed journal out there in existence that will publish the results from the Nazi experiments because of the nature of the crimes committed. They don't want to cooperate with that. They don't want to have any relation to that evil. And they don't want to somehow grant credence or approval for the crimes committed. So fetal tissue research is wrong because you have to kill the baby to get its body. It's also wrong because evil means are used to secure a quote unquote good end. Thirdly, it's wrong because it creates a market for the evil means. And what's the evil means? Abortion. That's the means in which you get the dead child to use their body parts for research. It creates a market for the evil means. Unwanted babies are the first market the abortion industry profits off of. Fetal tissue research creates an additional market for the abortion industry, selling the bodies of the babies they've already killed. You, you make two bang for your buck, right? You hit two birds with one stone. You profit twice off of the child that you kill. This only grows, strengthens, and empowers the abortion industry. Who are the practitioners of killing babies? So fetal tissue research is thirdly wrong because it creates a market for the evil means, an additional market. <clears throat> Fourthly, fetal tissue research is wrong because it communicates that abortion can be a moral good. It communicates that abortion can be a moral good. This communicates to some women that killing their unborn child redeems their desperate situation, right? I mean, most women don't get an abortion because they're like, I'm exercising my right to choose, yeah. <clears throat> Excuse me, some women do, most don't. Most feel like they're in a hard, desperate situation and that abortion's their only choice. Now that's not true and it obviously doesn't justify abortion. But now you can tell a woman who's feeling desperate like she has no other choice that, hey, it's okay, you're actually gonna help the planet, you're gonna help Mother Earth, you're gonna help other Americans who have diseases and ailments that might be able to be cured. Maybe other children who get vaccinations because of the child you're murdering. So it tells women that their abortion can somehow be redeemed. My colleague and mentor Scott Klusendorf puts this well. He says, the prospect of redeeming the abortion to provide tissue for someone else throws a powerful motivation into a psychologically complex situation. Powerfully said. In fact, a 1995 study by the Joint Center for Bioethics at the University of Toronto found this. Back in 1995, okay, I was like four years old. Among women who would consider abortion, 17% would be more likely to have one if fetal tissue could be donated for medical use. So this was a controlled study and they were asking women who would consider abortion, how many of you would be more likely to kill your baby through abortion if the body parts of your children could be used for medical use? And 17% said they would feel more likely to get that abortion. And when we kill about a million babies a year in America, a 17% increase on that number would be catastrophic. So allowing for and celebrating the benefits of fetal tissue research has a direct impact on the abortion increase. That's the fourth reason why fetal tissue research is wrong. It communicates that abortion can be a moral good and leads to an increase in abortions. I hope that was helpful. People don't understand why this is wrong. And they are accepting the culture's bigotry 
soft bigotry or hard of how they view the unborn and how they dehumanize the unborn. And this is telling when some conservative pro-lifers, quote unquote, say that they oppose abortion, but they get on board with fetal tissue research and they are playing a role in the culture of death and those individuals need to be held to account. And we as the pro-life movement and as Christian individuals who understand where rights come from and when rights begin, when we become human, need to speak out against this, and all the more so given how the political winds have changed. Next, we're going to talk about how scientists are now pushing to grow human beings outside the womb past this sort of unspoken 14-day limit, and um, how fall, far our culture and our country has fallen from grace and their founding principles. But first, if you want to enjoy this show visually, if you want to see some of the media or clips that we play, or you just want to see me, your host, smile at you, <laughs> then consider subscribing at my YouTube channel, Seth Gruber, A Voice for the Unborn. Hit subscribe. Hit the notifications bell so you don't miss a single episode. Uh, while I continue to fly under the radar of the uh, technocrats at Google, we want to reach as many people as possible with the truth about life and the bigotry of abortion. And we'll start rolling out some um, more YouTube unique and visually stimulating content soon in terms of us putting these ideas into a conversational interactive format so you can see how these conversations happen in real, real life and get equipped to defend the preborn. We'll be right back with a whole lot more. So it is not just our politics and our political elites and our federal administration that are involved with purchasing baby limbs to experiment on them and reversing Trump's restrictions on, the, on federal funding used to participate in dead baby body part research to benefit born people, but it's also the science, our scientific elites who continue to throw any type of natural law onto the ash heap of history in order to pursue their progressive vision uh, towards the perfecting of the human species. And we as the high priests of secular progressivism will be the ones to usher us into a new tomorrow. The promises of secular humanists for decades and decades and decades, if not centuries, which always fall far short and end up leaving a lot of, of harmed individuals in the wake of the sexual revolution. And of course, at this point, you're probably pretty sick of the word science, aren't you? And public health for how these terms have been weaponized in order to protect the vulnerable during this 14-month scamdemic that our country has been in. Well, the same type of manipulation of language is present when it comes to this new research. Scientists are pushing to grow human beings outside the womb past this current sort of unspoken 14-day limit. But don't worry, it's science, right? It's pursuing human flourishing at the cost of crushing little innocent human beings in order to improve our own lives. You know, they say that the greatest trick the devil ever pulled was convincing the world that he didn't exist. But I think his greatest trick was convincing us that we can be gods. This is straight from Eden, you recall. The lie that Adam and Eve embraced and which ruined everything. For God doth know that in the day ye eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened and ye shall be as gods. Genesis 3 the beginning of the human story, the first lie, and the lie that has led to every other lie. The lie that destroyed the perfect nature of human beings that we were created to be in, and that the left has 
forever pursued to regain, but not through religious means, not through a relationship between man and God and the reconciliation between man and God, but through the progressive vision offered by secular humanists. The left is fascinated by Satan for this original promise, ye shall be as gods. Because if we are God, then we can decide who gets to live and who gets to die, right? And we can simply reinvent ourselves attempt to perfect ourselves by experimenting on babies, creating them specifically in order to poke them and prod them and find new ways to pursue that which every God is entitled to, eternal life, right? That's what every God is entitled to. And if I'm a God, then I deserve eternal life as well. So if some people have to die in my pursuit of eternal life, so be it. MIT Technology Review on March 16th, Antonio Regaldo, Regalado writing, scientists plan to drop the 14-day embryo rule, a key limit on stem cell research. The article says scientists are motivated to grow embryos, an embryo that's a baby, a little human being, to grow embryos longer in order to study and potentially manipulate the development process. Just poke and prod around, just screw with their human body. Why? To get some more knowledge, to get a little more woke in my pursuit of eternal life. According to the article, in 2016, Magdalena Zernica Getz grew human embryos in a lab dish for longer than anyone had before. Bathing the tiny spheres in a special broth inside an incubator, her team at the University of Cambridge watched the embryos develop day after day, breaking all prior records. The embryos even attached to the dish as if it were a uterus, sprouting a few placental cells. But on day 13, Zernica Getz halted the experiment. Why? Zernika gets it hit up against an internationally recognized ethical limit called the 14-day rule. Under this limit, scientists have agreed never to allow human embryos to develop beyond two weeks in their labs. That is the point at which a spherical embryo starts to form a body plan, deciding where its head will end up and when cells begin taking on specialized missions. Okay, let me translate that. In other words, the baby started looking too much like one of us. And it may be more difficult to get the broader public on board with such grisly experiments because if they saw it, they'd say, isn't that a human? But such humanity doesn't bother the high priests of secular progressivism who call themselves physicians and scientists. No, such grisly experiments are necessary, just like the Nazis believed in order to improve the lives, not of fit Germans, but of born Americans who weren't aborted. Just so you fully understand what we're discussing, they create new individuals and persons, human beings created in the image of God, explicitly denying them their mother's womb in order to tinker around. Article continues, a key scientific body is ready to do away with the 14-day limits at MIT. The action would come at a time when scientists are making remarkable progress in growing embryonic cells and watching them develop. But allowing both normal and artificial embryos to continue developing after two weeks, the end of the self-imposed limit could unleash impressive but ethically charged new experiments on extending human development outside the womb. Ethically charged, huh? <laughs> yeah, that's an understatement. Ethically charged, you're playing God because you believe you shall be as gods. And all of this scientific tinkering with little persons is simply the cost that must be paid. 
Many scientists justify their bid to study embryos longer by saying the research could improve IVF or give clues to the causes of birth defects. Listen to the language of this article. They're like, eh, I don't know, maybe. Maybe it could. I don't know. I'm just saying it could improve IVF and help us understand birth defects. Isn't that, isn't that kind of a sick sort of euphemistic uh, inversioning they're doing right there too? You know, taking, denying children their mother's womb so that they're never actually born, but creating them artificially could actually be a really good thing because it could help us address birth defects of children who we don't take out of their mother's wombs, who are in the natural location they were supposed to be conceived so that we can address those birth defects so these children who we experiment on in our lab would not have to suffer birth defects in the womb because I guess there's some uh, intrinsic dignity attached to the individual in the womb, huh? Why would you want to help birth defects when whatever's in the womb is not a person and doesn't have any rights? And I know that because you tinker around with the human beings you create and deny them their mother's womb. Anyways, a lot of euphemistic gobbledygook right there. Article continues, Josephine Johnson, a scholar with the Hastings Center, a nonprofit bioethics organization, however, believes the primary motives are curiosity and scientific competition. <laughs> Meaning, ah, we don't know if any good will come of this, even though it's evil what we're doing. It's just kind of fun. She says, I don't think it is driven by a concern for infertility or early miscarriage. It's driven by an area that is still unexplored, she says. The embryo is a bit of a hmm, black box, and they would like to chart that territory. <laughs> by the way, you know how secular progressives get incredibly pissed off with theocentric colonizers who took over other people's land and territory and denied them their natural right to live there. And therefore, screw Columbus Day, we need Indigenous Peoples Day. Uh, don't seem to have any outrage with um, colonists masquerading as public health individuals who are charting prenatal territory and denying human beings their natural location where we all began. Uh, but no outrage there. This reminds me of Ian Malcolm's line in Jurassic Park. Do you remember? Your scientists were so preoccupied with whether or not they could that they didn't stop to think if they should. Exactly. There is a moral law to the universe, and we would do well to get in line with that moral law. Article continues and says, Others believe the long-term growth of normal embryos or embryo models would create a platform to explore the genetic engineering of humans. More fully developed embryos could be used to study the consequences of gene editing and other types of modification. Let me, let me translate that. Um, more fully developed little babies that we deny a womb to could be tinkered with to try risky experiments on gene editing so that we can perfect ourselves. <laughs> Article continues and says, that is, if genetically modified humans are to be created in the future, well, the modification should first be tested for safety on lab embryos. <laughs> like they're lab rats. Like they're just a commodity. Translation, we want to be gods, right? We want to live forever. So we might as well rehearse at playing God right now by artificially creating human babies and screwing with their genes so we can perfect ourselves. You know, the Bible, as usual, has a lot to say about the nature of man because, as it turns out, conservatives are right. Human nature is fixed. It's not endlessly malleable, and we can usually predict the type of heinous behaviors man will attempt because his nature has fallen, has been, since the serpent whispered into the ear of Adam and Eve, ye shall be as gods. Isaiah 14, 13 through 15 predicts this exactly and says, you said in your heart, 
I will ascend to the heavens. I will raise my throne above the stars of God. I will sit enthroned on the Mount of Assembly, on the utmost heights of Mount Zaphon. I will ascend above the tops of the clouds. I will make myself like the Most High. <laughs> but you were brought down to the realm of the dead, to the depths of the pit. Oh, do you mean the Bible predicted this? That man would try to make himself into a modern god and then fail and fall into the depths of hell, just like the first rebel did? Lucifer, who rebelled against God and fell into hell, and that is where he will be doomed to spend eternity. You know, it's really quite simple. Bishop Joseph Strickland encapsulates the moral law in regards to this debate in just a few words. I will not kill children to live. Exactly. And prenatal babies are prenatal children who are just a little bit smaller than us. But you see, the laws of nature and nature's God must be thrown aside by the high priests of secular progressivism. For such moral parameters, right? Laws are the wise restraints that make men free. Such moral parameters are outdated and prevent the progressive vision from charging forward. You know, this gets to one of the tenets of secular progressivism called Prometheanism. Prometheanism is the belief that man has unlimited godlike powers to shape the world in his image, to shape the world to suit his desires. And this is why, for the greater good, has become a tenant of the religion of secular progressivism. Whatever is required to attain the status that we believe we're entitled to, because you have a little serpent whispering in your ear all day long, ye shall be as gods. I'm entitled to that. So whatever sacrifices are necessary in the, in the pursuit of deification is justified, even if those sacrifices are little children. But this is their argument, right? For the greater good. I mean, that is their argument. Their argument is that this behavior is justified because it's for the greater good of humanity. I'm just doing it because I love my neighbor. Those around me who I don't want to die like three years earlier than they would have otherwise because we developed a vaccine off of the mutilated fresh flesh of little babies. And so we eked out a few more years on this earth. Well, such a view strips all human beings, born and unborn, of inherent dignity, right? For who else could be justifiably killed in order to benefit oneself or one's family? Why should the sacrifice of children on the altar of the deification of self or on the altar of extending your life be confined to unborn children. If sacrificing human beings who you know are human beings is justified to improve your life and those who weren't aborted, then why not sacrifice other individuals who are born but maybe don't meet the secular progressive's definition of personhood and a right to life? In fact, ABC News ran a story in 1997 that put this debauched moral premise into reality. ABC News ran this story in 1997 about a woman whose father was suffering from Parkinson's disease. She heard that brain cells from aborted babies could be used to treat the disease. So what did she do? She sought to conceive a child for the express purpose of aborting him four months into her pregnancy. Why? So the body parts could be used to treat her father, <laughs> right? What's the problem with that? If there's no intrinsic dignity attached to the individual and they can just be sacrificed 
on the altar of secular progressivism for uh, the Darwinist vision of the survival of the fittest, then what's wrong with conceiving children with the foreknowledge that you're going to kill them? In fact, the National Institutes for Health had a panel in 1994 discussing embryonic stem cell research. And while they acknowledged that the child had some dignity, they didn't define the unborn child as a person. Therefore, they said embryonic stem cell research is justified. And you can't get a child's embryonic stem cells without killing them, just like you can't get their fetal tissue without killing them. But it was interesting. This National Institute for Health panel in 1994 forbade using tissue in this way, in the way that this woman did in 1997, of, of saying, oh, yeah, I'm getting pregnant with the foreknowledge and complete intent and plan to kill the baby just to get their tissue to help my ailing father. They forbade the use of tissue in that way. But on what moral grounds? How could they explain why that would be bad? If the human embryo or fetus has no inherent worth whatsoever, why not decide in advance that its sole purpose is to treat others? And this gets to the very strange religious tenet, another one, of secular progressivism called Gnostic dualism or body self-dualism. And this says that the real you is not your body. So when I hug you, you know, if you're a friend of mine, I didn't actually hug you because that's not the real you. It's, you're, just, you're just a soul and you're just desires and consciousness. Your body's just kind of a shell. It's not actually you. So therefore, that's why they can say boys can be girls and girls can be boys, because your physical appendages have nothing to do with the real you. It's why they say we can abort babies in the womb, because they're not persons. What's a person? A person is your soul, your thoughts, your consciousness, your aims, and your desires. It's not the body. Therefore, while we mutilated the child's body through abortion, we didn't actually kill the individual, because the individual is not the body, because the body's bad. That's what body self-dualism says, right? Well, this justifies killing for the greater good, right? Because if we can kill the baby in the womb for the greater good of improving the life of born people and eking out a few more years on this life, why? Because the child in the womb is not a person, right? Because of body self-dualism. Well, why not apply that same premise and worldview post-utero to people already born? If personhood and human value are based on the exercise of cognitive functions and self-awareness, right, then the involuntary euthanasia and involuntary organ donation of cognitively disabled patients is completely justified. Because cognitively disabled patients also don't meet the secular progressive's definition of personhood, which is that the real you is not your body, it's your thoughts, your aims, your desires, your cognitive abilities. Therefore, born people who don't meet that cognitive ability requirement for personhood could also just have their body cut open, their organs removed, to improve the life of fit individuals, right? But something tells me pro-choicers have a problem with that. If cognitively disabled patients, such as with autism, dementia, or traumatic brain injury, are non-persons and only persons have value, what would be wrong with me intentionally killing them to harvest their organs for myself or other real persons in need? I don't see how the secular progressive could provide a philosophically robust reason as to why not. This is why, by the way, ideas have consequences and bad ideas have victims. But reality tends to reassert itself in the end. That's the great conservative consolation because eternity is written on the heart of man. And God, Jesus, to quote scripture, is reality. There is an objective order to the universe, one that we would do well to get in line with. And so pro-choice individuals who are okay with killing babies to get their fetal tissue or for conceiving babies outside the womb, denying them their mother 
their mother and their mother's womb in order to tinker around. Um, those who have no problem with that shouldn't have a problem with targeting other individuals who don't meet the leftist definition of personhood as long as their organs or their tissue can be used to improve the lives of born Americans who do meet the secular progressives definition of personhood. And yes, something tells me they're not okay with that. So it's not just the federal government purchasing dead baby body parts on the black market, breaking federal law in order to tinker around and create vaccines and improve the life of born individuals. It's not just them rescinding Trump's uh, restrictions on fetal tissue research. It's not just scientists with the backing and probably funding of the political class on namely one side of the political aisle who are creating, artificially creating human beings outside the womb to tinker around and pursue what they believe every god is entitled to, eternal life. But now scientists are creating human hybrids in order to harvest their organs. Boy, should God torch America right now. My goodness. One of our founders said, you know, I shudder to think that God is just and his justice cannot sleep forever. And if that was ever true in the modern era, it's certainly true now. According to NPR, right, uh, a, a journalistic organization that our tax dollars fund that's incredibly left, on April 15th by Rob Stein, scientists create early embryos that are part human and part monkey. For the first time, scientists have created embryos that are a mix of human and monkey cells. The embryos um, described in the journal Cell were created in part to try to find new ways to produce organs for people who need transplants, said the international team of scientists who collaborated in the work. But the research raises a variety of concerns, you think? We're creating creatures that I would probably meet the sort of philosophical definition of personhood, meaning that they have a rational nature. This is some part person creature who might likely have a moral nature if we can develop them enough to survive past sort of this um, embryonic stage in order to murder them, <laughs> right? So uh, Kristen Matthews says, my first question is why? She's a fellow for science and technology at Rice University's Baker Institute. I think the public is going to be concerned, and I am as well, that we're just kind of pushing forward with science without having a proper conversation about what we should or should not do. By the way, what a great line in regards to this 14-month COVID scamdemic, huh? <laughs> we're pushing forward with science without having a proper conversation about what we should or should not do. Exactly, because science is not the only consideration when you consider human flourishing. There's plenty of things we could simply ban right now that would encourage human flourishing and human lives. We could ban vehicular transportation and more people would live. But we don't do that because we incur certain levels of risks. It's about time we ban this word science from public discourse as it's used by the high priests of secular progressivism to really refer to their religion because they have deified themselves and their scientific establishment. Still, the scientists who conducted the research and some other bioethicists defended the experiment. Here's what they said. This is one of the major problems in medicine. Organ transplantation, said Juan Carlos Belmont, a professor in the Gene Expression Laboratory of the Salk Institute for Biological Sciences in La Jolla, California, right, San Diego, and a co-author of the cell study. The demand for that is much higher than the supply. The demand for organs is much higher than the supply. We still don't have enough organs to give people who need them. So don't worry, I'm really compassionate. I really love the people who need these organs. And so we're just going to create human hybrids to murder them and steal their organs. <laughs> wow. Scientists, quote unquote, are creating human hybrids, breeding them so they can kill them and harvest them for organs so that those of us who weren't aborted can live just a little bit longer. 
We are now creating human hybrids to sacrifice them so we can extend our own lives. Do we deserve judgment or what? Leon Cass, a philosopher years ago, I believe in the 90s, coined this really helpful term that he called the wisdom of repugnance. The wisdom of repugnance means that if you're repulsed by something initially without thinking about it, you hear something like artificially conceiving babies outside of the womb to murder them and tinker around, or creating human hybrids for the express purpose of stealing their organs. If you hear something like that and you go, ew, oh gosh, you sickos. There's probably wisdom in that reaction. <laughs> the wisdom of repugnance, of an inclination towards reality. And this isn't always true, of course. There are some things that uh, people in the 19th century would be, would be repulsed with our behavior today. Um, and uh, some of that could deal, deal with social media and the sort of increasing overreach of technology into our lives. But broadly speaking, it's a helpful term, the wisdom of repugnance. And if you're not repulsed by this, I don't know what you would be by. The article continues and says, I don't see this type of research being ethically problematic, said Insu Hoon, a bioethicist at Case Western Reserve University and Harvard University. By the way, this woman, Insu Hoon, Insu Huan, Insu is her name, at Case Western Reserve University, she's also behind a lot of the artificial conceiving of children outside the womb that we just talked about that's being done to test gene modification. So this woman really needs some help, some moral guidance, and ultimately needs to meet her savior. She's, she's driving the, a, a lot of the um, breaking sort of edges of the culture of death. She says, it's aimed at lofty humanitarian goals. Lofty humanitarian goals. That's a euphemism for creating and sacrificing person-like creatures in order to eke out a few more years on this earth. But don't worry, it's for the good of human beings, even if we're not sure if what we created is uh, human or not. The article says, thousands of people die every year in the United States waiting for an organ transplant, Hugh noted. So in recent years, some researchers in the US and beyond have been injecting human stem cells into sheep and pig embryos to see if they might eventually grow human organs in such animals for transplantation. But so far that approach hasn't worked, meaning they've tried similar things and they botched it. So Belmont teamed up with scientists in China, a shocker there, and elsewhere to try something different. The researchers injected 25 cells known as induced pluripotent stem cells from humans, commonly called IPS cells, into embryos from um, macaque monkeys, which are much more closely genet genetically related to humans than our sheep and pigs. Here's what they found. After one day, the researchers reported they were able to detect human cells growing in 132 of the embryos and were able to study the embryos for up to 19 days. That enabled the scientists to learn more about how animal cells and human cells communicate, an important step toward eventually helping researchers find new ways to grow organs for transplantation in other animals, Belmont said. This knowledge will allow us to go back now and try to re-engineer these pathways that are successful for allowing appropriate development of human cells in these other animals, Belmont told NPR. We are very, very excited. Okay. What is behind all of this? We're creating human hybrids with the foreknowledge that we're going to murder them to steal their organs. We're artificially conceiving human beings outside the womb, denying them their natural right to a mother and their mother's womb in order to tinker around and test gene modifications to pursue what we believe we're entitled to, eternal life, as we deify ourselves into modern gods. Why? Why do all of this? From dust we are into dust we shall return but we're justifying all of this in order to just get a few more years on this life? Yeah, 
because the left believes that we can perfect human nature. They believe that they're entitled to eternal life. So all of these endeavors are justified in the mind of secular progressives. Here's the why. The fear of death. And haven't you seen the fear of death dictate a lot of our policy prescriptions in the last 14 months? A virus with a 99.7 survival rate justifies the entire shutting down of the world economy. Why? So that we don't die! Even though I believe now the estimates of you dying in a car crash are about 1 in 107, according to a study I saw from 2019. 1 in 107 of you dying from a car crash. Survival rate of COVID, 99.7% survival rate. That is quite a bit better. But this all has to do with the fear of death. The fear of death is probably the single greatest fear and obstacle of secular liberalism. Secular liberalism believes in what we today call the myth of progress. The myth of progress. The belief <clears throat> that the present is better than the past and the pa is better the present is better than the past and the future will inevitably be better than the present. And you see this with how the left rewrites history, right? They rewrite American political history. They tear down statues. They rewrite books. They redefine words. Why? Because the past is evil. And if you've read 1984, this is very prophetic. We must <clears throat> control the future to control the present. And, the pr and, the, and we must control the present to control the future. Why? Because it's only inevitable that things will get better. Why is it inevitable? Because this is a religious creed to secular progressivism is that things have to get better because they don't have faith in the eternal God who entered human history as a fetus to redeem mankind from their sins because they don't have faith in the progress towards the eternal heaven for those who have repented of their sins and turned to God. They have to create some type of hope, right? It's been said, hope springs eternal from the human breast. Well, in short of eternal hope found in the eternal God, they have to create hope that they can live eternally. So there has to be an inevitable progress towards perfection, or else why else am I on this earth? Historian Yuri Slezkin puts this beautifully, pointing out the religious nature of leftism. He says that faith in progress is just as basic to modernity as the second coming was to Christianity. Faith in progress is just as basic to modernity as the second coming was to Christians. In other words, progress is inevitable. Remember Obama would always say the arc of history is long, but it bends towards justice. It has to bend towards justice. Things will always get better. Human nature and the world itself is being perfected, and science will be our guide towards progress. That's why the word science should be banned from American political discourse. Secular liberalism believes that science drives progress and that progress can be measured by the alleviation of material needs and the improving of quality of life. So you know that things are progressing towards utopia, right? If you need less to survive, if more technology can cater towards your well-being, and if your quality of life is better writ large. Now, what defines what quality means, right? Because that's a moral term, quality, right? Not quantity, quality. Who determines what defines your quality of life? Well, the ruling class, of course, the high priests of secular progressivism who are forcing their religion down the throats of Americans. And the Equality Act is proof enough of that. <coughs> Excuse me. So if the science says we must create human hybrids, 
in order to murder them and harvest their organs because our life will be lengthened and improved, well then, progress demands that we follow Dr. Science, who today goes by the name of Dr. Fauci. Of course, this isn't science. This is a philosophy of the person, a rival worldview. Dare I say a rival religion that masquerades as science? The secular progressives believe that the last enemy to be defeated is death. By the way, that's in scripture, 1 Corinthians 15, 26. The last enemy to be destroyed is death, but that's done through the sacrifice of the perfect prenatal God who entered time and history in a womb that he once knit together. He defeated death by rising again, and we can too by repenting and giving our lives to him. What they don't realize is that the last enemy has already been defeated, but they're trying to defeat them through their own religion. Secular progressivism is not a rival politics. It's a rival religion whose greatest sacrament is abortion. Why is abortion the greatest sacrament of the religion of secular progressivism? Because if you can defend the murder of an innocent human being, you can justify anything else. As Mother Teresa once said, if a mother can kill her own child, what is left for us but to kill one another? As my, I might say, if you don't get the right to life right, you won't get any other rights right. So if you can get the right to life wrong, you can justify every other immorally wrong behavior or policy prescription under euphemisms like progress. Abortion is the greatest sacrament of the religion of secular progressivism because abortion says, you must die so that I can live. We do that through murdering babies to find vaccines for ourselves and through creating human hybrids in order to harvest their organs. Abortion says, you must die so that I can live. But Christ says, I must die so that you can live. I am buried and rise from death so that you can rise from death too. Death has already been defeated. The God-man who entered human history as a zygote, as a fetus, takes the punishment for our sin. Because without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. Christ willingly sheds his blood so that we can live free, to have the liberty to say no to sin and take hold of the life that is truly life. Because eternity is written on the heart of man, the secular progressive, though, still pursues the shedding of innocent blood rather than accepting the blood already shed on his behalf. Isn't that interesting? Abortion is the greatest sacrament of the left because Eternity is written on the heart of man, and they recognize that there has to be the shedding of blood in order to secure peace and human flourishing. They don't realize that Christ has already done that on our behalf, so they shed the blood of babies in order to pursue what they believe they're entitled to and that every God is entitled to, eternal life. So human sacrifice is a replacement for eternal life. Human sacrifice is the greatest sacrament of the left and its replacement for eternal life. Rather than accepting the sacrifice of Christ for the forgiveness of sins and eternal life, pagan cultures would sacrifice children in order to extend their own lives. They believed they would receive a blessing from the pagan deity in return for sacrificing their infant or child. So today, if your organs are dying and you need a transplant, well, we'll just take it from the little babies or the little human baby monkey hybrids. We kill babies to obtain their parts to perform experiments so we can produce vaccines and drugs to extend our own lives. We kill babies to steal their stem cells with the hope of using it to cure diseases and extend our own lives. The baby becomes a sacrifice for man's pursuit of eternal life. 
That's why secular progressivism is a false gospel, because it presents a different way to achieve eternal life. But there's only one way to achieve eternal life, and no man comes through the Father except through Christ. But we shall not be as gods, for from dust we were taken, and from dust we shall return. The only way to achieve eternal life is to give up, to let go and let God, you could say. Jesus, take the wheel and accept Christ's sacrifice on your behalf. That is the only way to achieve, secure what the left believes they're entitled to, eternal life. We're not entitled to it. We've been blessed to receive eternal life, and that's only done one way, through the unborn God who entered human history in a womb that he once knit together, declaring that life is sacred in the womb and at all stages because human beings are created in the image of God, and it's high freaking time that the church and Christians wake up and recognize that secular progressivism, which is the religion of the Democratic Party, is not an alternative politics. So you can't say, I'm not political. It's an alternative religion. It's a false religion whose greatest sacrament is human sacrifice to obtain what Christ already obtained for us, eternal life. Can you preach against that, progressive pastor? I certainly hope so. Thanks for joining me today. Head on over to iTunes, Spotify, YouTube. Give this show a rating and review. Let us know what you think. It really helps us reach more people, especially at this politically propitious moment. If you want to learn more and engage with me online, head on over to sethgruber.com, S-E-T-H-G-R-U-B as in baby boy, E-R.com to sign up for my newsletter and to see my speaking schedule if you want to come hear me speak live and local. Until next week, I'm Seth Gruber, and this is Unaborted.